1: Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy What Love Is This? I'm your host Doris Hanson and of course we're here every Thursday night to talk about polygamy in our culture and we do want to thank you for spending some of your night with us. Before we get started I do have a couple of announcements to make. The first one is that on October 20th and that's a Sunday, October 20th from 1 until 3.30 p.m. Uh, Grace Community Bible Church is hosting a meeting uh, which is presented by Stand to Reason. There's going to be two sessions on the topic, relativism, who are you to tell me what is right and wrong? Should be a very interesting uh, time to sit in and listen to these, uh, uh, the, to answer that question. There is no registration fee. Uh, you can go to their website, uh, mygrace.us, that's www.mygrace.us, or you can email David at mygrace.us or you can call 801-572-1011 for more information. That's uh, October 20th, Sunday afternoon from 1 p.m. until 3.30 p.m. at Grace Community Bible Church. Also, Uh, The outreach for Utah uh, County, which happens each month, is having their October meeting. For those who are interested in migrating from religion to a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, their next meeting is October 15th. That's next Tuesday, October 15th at 6 p.m. And the meeting will be at 1144 West Columbia Lane in Provo. For more information, you can call 801-374-8489. And again, we do always suggest and recommend that anyone who is uh, uh, transitioning out of uh, Mormonism, whether it's polygamy group or the mainline church, that you do need a support system and and meetings like that is extremely well good for you to be able to uh, get people who will help support you. Uh, Last week we had a viewer who asked a question and she requested that we answer it on the show this week. And her question was this, do the mainline Mormons still believe in polygamy That it's a higher law and that they will live it in the celestial kingdom. It is my understanding, she said, that that is what they believe. If you could please answer that question on the television show, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Very quickly, my answer is yes. Their doctrine states that they will live polygamy in the celestial kingdom and that polygamy is a higher law and that it is required to receive entrance into the celestial kingdom. That is their doctrine. But they don't publicly teach it or live it anymore. I think it's kind of odd that a church has a doctrine that they neither honor nor acknowledge, but that's the way it is. On our show of January 6, 2011, our guest was Rachel Kingston, and she was here at that time to tell her horrifying story of her abusive marriage in the Kingston Polygamy Group. How she finally got away and the battle that she faced economically and emotionally and judiciously to fight almost for her very breath. And during that same time there was a battle for the custody of her children three little girls. Tonight, Rachel is back to tell the rest of the story, except the story isn't quite over, not yet, because she's uh, got more to go on this, but she's here to update us with what's been going on. And so to get started with it, I would like to introduce and welcome back to our show a very courageous ex-polygamist wife and mother, Rachel Brown, previously Rachel Kingston. Thanks for coming back, Rachel.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
1: Yeah. You got you got some good stuff to talk about.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: What's what's been going on? And you know, you have had Rachel probably probably one of the worst times of of, of a lot of the people that I've worked with and and your fight to be set free. The prejudices of the court and the people that have kind of been hounding you somewhat in this journey that you've been going on. And and they tried to keep you captive, maybe not in the polygamy group, but at least in their system, in what they're manipulating you and, and in your life. And I really personally want to commend you. I honestly from my heart think you you stood up very well and and you've been strong and endured through it. And there's more to go, but but you're you're being strong and I just really want to say that you're going to win someday. <laughs> it's going to be over. So first of all, let's refresh our viewers on your story. Uh, for for um, our older viewers maybe who don't quite remember your story and for new viewers who ha- probably haven't heard your story at all. So very quickly, let's go over um, the basis of your story that you told when you were first here. You were born and raised in the Kingston Group. At one time, your husband had four wives and all but one has left him. So, is it is it normal for a man's wives to leave him like that? And why did they leave? And why did you leave?
2: Well, I, I mean, if they're happy, then I don't see that there would be any reason for them to leave. And that just goes further to um, just demonstrate what's going on behind the scenes and what life is really like. Um, I mean, each of us have, uh, have actually. Uh, been a part of uh, a different kind of abuse. I mean, he was more abusive with some than others. And um, was it
1: because of abuse that that three, all
2: three of you left? Absolutely. I, I'm mean, like I said, if you're if you're happy with how your life is and you're being treated well, someone, I mean, it, that they love you and they actually show that they love you. Um, especially through their actions, there, mm-hmm. then...
1: Yeah. Then you're not going to want to run off so much like they exactly. did. Exactly. So how long has it been since you left, and mm-hmm. how many children have you?
2: Uh, it's been about four years since I left, um, and and I've I have three girls.
1: Three little girls, mm-hmm. and that's a clutch of some of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, what did your husband do when he discovered your plans to get away?
2: Well, initially when I had planned to leave, then um, uh, my husband, who never picked up my kids from daycare, then he showed up early to pick them up. And um, it was actually my grandparents that had been watching them, and when I called them, then They acted like it was normal for him to be picking up the kids, and they were grateful because they were going out of town for a trip. And um, shortly afterwards, then, uh, I mean, I had been trying to get a hold of my husband to find out what was going on Mm because it seemed really odd. And um, a little while later, I had gotten a phone call. from an attorney, and they just basically told me that a, a restraining order was filed against me. Um, and I, w- I was just shocked. I was just, um, I didn't know what to do with myself. There's
1: no way that he could have found out that you were planning on leaving unless he had, I think, b- broken into your email account, right?
2: And That's the only way that I can really think of. I mean, they've got a, little, a lot of people in the group that
1: by on each other.
2: <laughs> well, technology savvy and just know how to <laughs> yeah. uh, work their way through a computer and whatever else it might be. Um. So
1: he actually he actually took your girls, took your little girls and, and to keep you from leaving. Keeping right. them hostage to keep you from leaving. Right. So that kind of throws a, um, a lump in the idea that all of this is just consenting adults li- living polygamy because they want to, right? That's,
2: right. That's I mean, that's and maybe it appears that way, but I don't believe at all that it's consenting adults. I mean, no, you're you're just dealing with a lot of children pretending to be adults.
1: Well, that, and they're trying to force you, coerce you into doing something that you didn't want to do, and that was to stay. Um, would you say that you personally had any marriage or financial benefits from living polygamy?
2: Uh, I don't feel like like I, there was any benefits at all I and mean, the th- the thing that just really threw me is when I was first married then I I thought my husband would actually take care of me I and mean, not to the extent that uh, of being lazy or anything but just just the idea that I mean he would be an actual husband and mm-hmm. support me where I needed it Yeah,
1: at least provide yeah. for you and your children right. And well, what kind of housing did he provide for you? Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, a
0: or lot did of he? <laughs>
2: <laughs> a, a lot of the apartments that I ended up in, they were just really run down, always had a lot of maintenance problems. Um, even the last apartment I lived in, then um, the stove that was there, I mean, if you moved it, in any way, then it would shock you. Mm-hmm. And he just said, "Just be careful." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I good. don't know how well you can do that <laughs> trying to cook food. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the interesting thing that I find is that I mean, I I lived there for probably three or four years at my last apartment, and not once was he interested in fixing it up, and after I left, suddenly he he was offering to to replace the cupboards and to fix everything up nice and just to make it a nice place for me to live, just as a condition for coming yeah, back
1: to get you to come. And back.
2: I mean, I yeah. didn't feel like it was worth it. Um, I mean, I felt like I'd seen the light, and then I I wanted something different. I wanted something better, and I didn't think that where I was at was the best. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. that's really.
1: And he he actually required you to pay rent, didn't he? To him. <laughs> and That seems to be the normal for the Kingston men to call, require their wives to pay them rent.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting about that because I mean, they just supposedly they they're going out earning a living, and you wonder where all their money is going if they're not supporting their family. I mean, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's that's it, the. It just
2: seems a little one of off the, to me. One of the
1: great <laughs> tragedies. So he didn't provide for your your for rent and your good housing and, and medical and dental and, and food. Didn't you have to eat out of the dumpster and different things like that?
2: And um, you know, g- generally we didn't have medical or dental. I mean, the idea was there was so much fear in going to doctors. I mean, you didn't know if they would maybe tell if if you were injured or or maybe give you a shot that might kill you i <laughs> yeah, that just it, it just sounds all fabricated <laughs> but um uh, there was a there was a lot of people that actually had it set up with like different grocery stores that when they threw out their produce then they asked to to get it before it went to the dumpster which <laughs> Isn't saying much because I mean, once it's It's in the dumpster, dumpster. I mean, it's it's not really in good enough condition to be eating.
1: Right, exactly right. So you finally managed to get out with your children, and you got your case in court, and you obtained legal—you actually got legal custody of of your three little girls. And you got out of your uh, your unsafe housing, which it was unsafe, right? And into a program, a housing program, where you were uh, kind of um, safe from harassment and and able to kind of get both feet on the ground. And then you went to school. You you needed some schooling to get a career or something going. And so, tell us about that.
2: And um, I mean, anybody leaving, they need to find stability, and I felt like. Um, I mean, I didn't even graduate high school. It wasn't um, until just if, just right before I left and I felt like it was important to at least get my GED because I knew that a lot of places require it. And so um, I did get my GED and it made it possible for, for me to go into school. Um, I went to massage school. Um, I felt like um, it's helped me really grow and just um, I and mean, just start making a better life for myself, for mm-hmm. my girls, and mm-hmm. and just to move forward away from everything that I've experienced. And
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and that's very good. And you graduated.
2: Mm-hmm. I did.
1: And yeah. and so now you're working as a massage therapist. I do, am. Do and you I like I, it?
2: I really love it. I get so much out of it. I, I'm able to help people, and. I mean, I can see right in front of me like what I'm doing for them and Mm -hmm. that I'm able to make a difference for people.
1: That's great. That's wonderful. Um, So let's update your story at this point. Uh, First of all, your husband could afford an attorney. You couldn't. But right. the, uh, when all this per- first began, you, you 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 left with absolutely nothing, and exactly. and your husband and his attorneys they seemed to just drag this through court long periods of time to frustrate you and and of course it, it kept you didn't have money to hire an attorney, and uh, there were then there began a long custody uh, battle for your three little girls which you eventually lost. Right. Would you explain what happened?
2: And um, the. Uh, the thing that that happened is that when we had gone back to court then um, uh, there has been issues about uh, the visitation like the whole time it's Mm -hmm. been just a tug of war trying to uh, trying to make it work it's just been um, a horrible thing to deal with and so we were going back based on that, um, specifically the summertime uh, and the, right before the hearing, then me and my girls had met with the guardian ad litem, and, and she, she told me at that time, she, she says, I'm going to recommend to the judge that she does not change custody. Um, and so when we went into court, then, I mean, that was her recommendation. and. And the judge didn't even consider it. I mean, it, it was shocking to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Not to say it doesn't happen, because I'm sure it does. And of course, it happened in my case. But I mean, a lot of people seemed really shocked that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. she went against it. And I mean, it just makes me wonder, why, why would a judge assign a guardian ad litem if it wasn't necessary, and if they didn't feel like their opinion mattered? Right, right. Because, I mean, reality is, is they're the one that are actually talking to the kids. They're understanding mm-hmm. what they're going through and... Um, and, and,
1: the, and they go to the place and they see where they're living and they, they just, uh, they get the, the direct input.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And she, rec- and I was there, I was at the court, and so I, I right. know what you're saying is true, and she did recommend that you remain custody. And the judge gave three little girls to a polygamous father to live in a polygamy group, the custody. And you know what, I seemed like I saw there, and these are the points that, that I made from what I saw there, and, and feel free to, to add your own to this. Uh, the guardian ad litem recommended that you keep the girls. The judge went against that. Um, she, gave, she gave those three little girls to a known abuser. She knew your husband was abusive
2: she She was fully aware that he is a part of a polygamous lifestyle. She's fully aware, and she even said so She even mentioned it in our divorce papers mm-hmm. and i mean it 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 just surprises me. I just don't know what to think i mean
1: and the another shocking thing is what are little girls grow up to be in a polygamy group
2: well. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> they grow up to be plural wives, don't yeah, they? Ex- well, exactly. I mean, you just grow up to to please your husband, please the men, and you really don't have a voice. I mean, you're just expected to just just sit back and do whatever they say, and you're not allowed to speak out. And if you do, I mean, who knows what'll happen? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it it's just terrifying to even think of. What they may do,
1: and the judge knows polygamy is illegal, and yet she she gave those little girls i i don't i don't well, i don't know what to say i sometimes i just and and she also knew and how many why how many children the first wife had the the one that is watching
2: your kids now so when we started um going through is initially going through our divorce proceedings, then she had three children. And since then, she's had three more. So she's got six S- little ones. Six of her own and she's three of yours. Exactly, and that, I mean, they, <laughs> I, mean, I I don't know that she could really ever truly love my kids. She could say it all she wants, but I just don't believe that I mean, you can truly love someone else's kids. So. And you and you just you're, way too many kids it, in a household anyway.
1: well it is. It definitely is. Um and you know, I don't I really believe that from what everything I saw that The judge did not have the children's interests at heart. It sounded like, to me, it looked like she was trying to punish you, and the way she could punish you was to take your kids away from you. She didn't consider the best interest of the kids. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that work with the legal system that probably thinks that I'm up in the night saying something like this, but that happened. I saw it. That happened.
2: Well, the the thing is is that I I tried to reach out to the judge and just... um, let her know like this is what i've experienced this is the abuse that i've experienced this is what i've been through and i hope that you can consider that in your decision and she seemed to turn around and make it into that i was retaliating against the court and not doing what they wanted me to do and and so her comments were like these kids are going to have lots of time with their dad and I mean that it it just makes me sick because yeah. I mean polygamy is illegal
3: mm-hmm.
2: and whether it's talked about or not there is abuse that goes on mm-hmm. and it's not safe. And, and 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 whether
1: it's talked about or not the uh, the the entire case he was an abuser. I mean it wasn't a secret from the judge, from the attorneys, from the guardian ad litem, from anybody, he was an abuser.
2: Uh, even, even when we were going um, through our proceedings, then there were actual documents that he admitted to abuse, um, specifically to my son that passed away, and I mean he admitted to beating him, mm-hmm. and
3: mm-hmm. there was and
2: no consideration.
1: There was a DCFS worker that uh, said that she knew he was an abuser, and she that she wanted to make sure that 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 got out. What happened with, with that?
2: Uh, you, you know, I just don't know what to think. I mean, from what she told me, I, I thought that there may be actually something done, that there was really someone that was interested in the best interests of my kids and, and that, them being safe. And when we had a follow-up hearing, then she showed up and there was another caseworker there she wouldn't say anything about what was going on she just said it's been turned over to this other casework he's got it from here
1: so she wasn't able to follow through and make sure that his abuse was
2: was yeah, she she wasn't able to do anything further i mean i don't know if maybe she was threatened bought off i don't know and it just surprises me
1: so and another another point I'd like to make in this too is that he claimed that he couldn't afford child support to to you for when you had custody of the girls he couldn't have he claimed he couldn't afford you know full child support for the children and yet he has three more kids and then has yours too so he added six more kids to his household after he couldn't afford child support
2: for your kids and you know Surprising enough that um, during our divorce, then suddenly h- his wages were decreasing. I mean, he claims that it w- it came down to a choice, either he loses his job or he takes a pay cut, which I find hard to believe because he works for his dad. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and somewhere along the way, then he actually signed up for Public assistance, and he gets public assistance now. For as far as I know, for all of the kids. Wow.
1: They pay the system. They call it bleeding the beast, and the polygamy groups do that. That's part of their uh, modus operandi. So, uh, so the judge did she require you to pay child support now?
2: And um, at the hearing, then she uh, it was. They were just his attorney um, had just put in, put that I was supposed to pay him in the in the papers, and I questioned that, and her response was, "That's just how it goes." <laughs> and and the thing about that is they were um, working in massage you work on a commission based, and so sometimes the income can be unpredictable but they just they just said oh well we're we're just going to calculate your wages at 40 hours a week and this and you're going to have to start paying him child support oh my goodness
1: so are you paying child support
2: now Uh to this point i haven't um it's supposed to be going through ors and i don't know what what's going on with that
1: Right. right Right, which is really kind of, well, I won't say what I. I <laughs> wouldn't be nice. Um, so, do you believe that the judge had your be- the children's best interest at heart when she made that final ruling?
2: I don't think she even considered it. I I don't don't know that she. Um, I mean, maybe she's a nice person. I don't know, but if my dealings with her, then I mean, she seems pretty heartless and. And, and you didn't even
1: just, have your own attorney at that last hearing, did you?
2: Did no, you? I didn't. Um,
1: so she did all this without having anyone to defend you?
2: Right. And you know, the thing that I found is um, in, in the legal system, then it seems like the judge will listen to you if you have an attorney by your side. If you have no one to speak for you, then you're on your own and then who knows where the chips may fall.
1: Yeah. That's the way I saw it, too, but I thought it was our right to have an attorney by our side and that the, that, that, the, that the hearing could stop until you got one. Right. After the custody change was completed, your daughter told a friend at school that she wanted to kill herself. What happened about that?
2: And at, just right after the judge had changed custody, then um, I had gotten a call from school, and they were really concerned. And they said that my daughter had told her friend that um, that she wanted to take a knife to school and she wanted to kill herself. She wanted to do it in front of everybody so that everyone could watch and basically see how miserable she was. And um, when we went back to court after that, then I, mean, I, sp- I, I asked the judge, um, it would be I, I just told her I says it would be really sad if she actually went through with it and she just she didn't really have anything to say and I mean I just felt really sad about it because I mean yeah, if any I'm of my sure. children was going to do it I, w- I believe yeah. that she would.
1: Was the guardian ad litem there? at that? At
2: she was map? at that hearing and and I don't know that anything she would have said would that have made point. a difference because she had already made up her mind how it was going to go. Um and go ahead. Oh. And and the other thing to um, think about is that um, uh, sorry, I lost, my train, lost my train of thought for a second. thought.
1: Okay, the the your daughter. Uh, you were talking about your daughter. If she was gonna do something like that, it really concerned you. Did you lose it? Okay, <laughs> well, we, we've got more questions here anyway. So, so after all of this, what is your opinion of the available legal help for those who are escaping polygamy? Have you found that many of the attorneys are afraid of the P word? I think you put it one day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the thing is, is I, I feel like the attorneys are afraid of the unknown. and. And the other thing to consider is that I mean, if you have um, enough money to throw at them to make it worth them fighting polygamy, which I mean, could go into um, tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars to fight um, uh, whether it's a polygamy group or someone with within the lifestyle, and they just don't—they I mean, just don't want to take on. They don't want to go uh, on that. Those and, kind of people. And the
1: sad part of it is that normally when a woman leaves polygamy group, she has children normally, right, and she wants to the children to get away from the abusiveness of being raised in that environment, but she comes out with the clothes on her back and nothing more, and she can't pay an attorney. And so justice is served only to those who have the money to pay for it, not for those who can't get uh, the good attorney. And so, so the children suffer, and the one who's trying to flee suffers and becomes a victim all over again. Remains a victim of the culture.
2: Yeah, for sure. It, I mean, it. I mean, there's such a need for legal help for people that leave, and it's just not there. And I mean, I don't know whether people are afraid to just come out and say, "I'll help you. I'll be there for you. I'll." I'll take you through it all. I mean, it's it's really frustrating and it's such a challenge it to is. to not have that and that's just the biggest need.
1: And they can pay the 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 polygamy groups can pay the attorney bills or have they have their own attorneys, you can't pay. And so you don't get um it's just, it's re- definitely a system that's set up that you can't you can't win from that so for sure. um, uh, So I think right here before we open up for the phone calls I would like to say um, you may you 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 still want to find an attorney I do who will fight for you to get those kids out of the polygamist home a home of nine children all of them under the age of what
2: um, my oldest is 10
1: so nine children all under the age of 10 years old and back to her custody and fight for the rights of those children uh, before a judge who will not penalize Rachel by hurting the children. And um, the, the injustice in this is, and, and, and I'd like to say this and see if this fits. When a woman leaves a polygamy group, when, when, they're, when they're raised in polygamy, they believe that anything, they're taught that anything outside of the polygamy group is corrupt. It's bad. All outsiders are bad, including the court systems, (laughs) obviously. And they're also taught that they're not required to obey the law. They're above the law. So they don't have to keep the law. That's what people, that's what we're taught in the polygamy groups. And females especially are supposed to uh, to obey the man, the male, the father, then the husband, the leader of the group are all male. They're, after all, they're going to be future gods, you know. <laughs> and, and you've got to learn how to submit and surrender to these men and to their authority no matter how unjust it is. So when they leave, when you leave the polygamy situation, uh, when you first get out, you're still brainwashed. It takes a lot of, of work and a lot of, of unlearning a lot of things in order to even have the courage to to speak out and to know what you're speaking out for would you say that was pretty good mm-hmm. analyze of analogy of what it's like
2: I, I would say that's pretty accurate and you know I don't think that you can ever um, completely get rid of all you've experienced I mean um, the mental and emotional trauma will always be there. It's just a matter of, of, of learning how to work through it mm-hmm. and being able to be free of it mm-hmm. um, because it can, it can only hold you back if you do nothing.
1: And right now your girls are being subjected to that brainwashing, that mental abuse, physical abuse if he's continues to be physically abusive like he's been in the past.
2: And the thing about that is um, whenever my kids are with me then I mean they just talk like they fear their dad so much and and I just don't think it's right because like I said before if you if you truly love your family your kids your wife whatever it might be then why would they fear you Mm
1: -hmm. exactly
2: I mean they are scared to death yeah
1: respect is different than fear. Exactly. And, they, and respect, of course, we think. Well, I think we, we need to open up the telephones right now. Um, our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. Give us a call if you'd like to be part of this conversation and ask uh, myself or Rachel some questions or make your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and while we're waiting for the phone calls to come in, we have our message to show you. <laughs>
4: You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of a Shield and Refuge ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv aboutpolygamy.com We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories, told firsthand, of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, We invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our
1: show. Welcome back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? We're talking tonight with Rachel Brown. She is an ex-polygamist wife out of the Kingston Polygamy Group, and we've been talking about her story before she left, how she got out, and what has happened in her life and in her children's lives after she left and after she got out. And uh, I I really have something I need to say right here. You know, our government is here for a purpose, and, and basically it's here to protect us from power structures that would form in the midst of the people that would deprive us of our rights. Thomas Jefferson knew that, and he put it in our Declaration of Independence, and he put it like this in part, and I quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, end quote. May I say that the government's of the polygamous states of Utah and Arizona and surrounding areas that incubate polygamous do not secure the rights of their citizens who are born in polygamy groups as slaves to their abusive system of raising little girls to become their autonomous aut- (laughs) They're brainwashed and they're subject to their autocratic whims and their destructive decrees. What a shame it is that the freedoms of our citizens are tarnished and have become such an ugly and abusive and yes, a barbaric system where the courts won't even allow the word polygamy to be used in a divorce where polygamy was present in the marriage. Yes, I've seen that too. What a sham when a judge, a female judge, gives custody of three little girls to the man who will raise those little girls to accept polygamy as their eternal duty. You know, many folks are wondering, where are the feminists now? Those who shouted so loudly about uh, gaining equal rights for women in this country, where are you now? Well, the courts are ruling against the women over and over again when it comes to polygamy. Something's wrong here. And you know what? Our phone lines are open. We would love to hear your take on this. Let's talk about this. How can Rachel get a good attorney? Someone who will come to bat for her, even though she doesn't have the money to pay. I thought justice was blind. Or do they count the gold coins? You know, she needs to get those kids back. And we really are putting a challenge out right now. Is there somebody that really would like to do something, humanitarian effort going on here, uh, that she can get those little girls away from her abusive uh, ex-husband, polygamist husband? Okay, we've got some calls coming in. I guess maybe we ought to take them. (laughs) Okay, we have Jeff calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Jeff.
5: Hi, Jeff. How are you?
1: I'm I'm very good, thank you. You're on the air. (laughs)
5: I'm doing well. I'm just watching the show. I've called before and watched the show before. We were just down in southern Utah, so we're Midwesterners, and we decided to go over to Hilldale in Colorado City to just look at it. And it is um, extremely bizarre, extremely unusual. And I see these little kids knee-high to the bottom doorstep walking around with the prairie dresses. and uh, It's something that it just i don't know how to explain it 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 almost needs to be dismantled <laughs> they need to send people in there and take those children away um it's not normal um, it's unusual it looks like poverty um, we did not get followed when we were through there we spent about 30 minutes driving through the streets just to look at it because i wanted to see this place after i moved to salt lake city and I talked to other people who said they've been followed by people and asked to leave, and so on. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious as to why you guys think that
1: the government doesn't go in and do something about this. Well, they what tried. These you know, they've tried to do that in the 50s. They went in and did take all the kids, and then in, in 2008 they went down in El Dorado and took all the kids there. But, but I don't really, you know, I'm not sure that that's the answer. They end up bringing the kids back, and it caused a lot of trouble and trauma and and problem. Um, and they have to have a better plan than that. And that's one of the reasons we do the show, because we we feel like that if we can get the information out there and people are educated on what is really going on in polygamy, that it isn't just a matter of consenting adults. Just from hearing Rachel's story and seeing those kids wandering around, um, it's not consenting adults. And I think that that's where the public is is has been fooled. They think it is, but it isn't. It has to do with the children. There
5: may be some consenting about the children don't get that choice. No, they and don't. If, if you go to other situations in the country, whether it would be, I, I won't even go into the different things that children are exposed to, It be, be removed from it by child services and so on. Um, it amazes me that this exists. I understand that the children will be traumatized because children will, will cling to the parents, but it's, it's Wow, it's unhealthy, and it's, it amazes me that it's existing in the year 2010 well, um, and past. There,
1: there hasn't been enough pressure put on our government. That's the whole thing. There's been more pressure put from the polygamous side on the government than there is from the, the people who would be uh, more for the justice side, and, and so the government's responding uh, to the, the pressure from the polygamous side, and that's what they're getting. Well...
5: I, I it's sad, and, I, and not being from here, the whole area is pretty much revolves around the whole thing. And even the Mormon Church itself, in my opinion, even though they claim they're not running and behaving in the polygamous fashion, I hear it's still written in the books, and yeah. um, it's all part of the same thing. And it's a real problem. Um, I feel really sorry for the children. I guess is my biggest problem. Well, and there. we do
1: too. And thank you for your concern, Jeff. And thank you for your call.
5: Okay, good luck, guys.
1: Thank you. Mm, goodbye. Bye-bye. Okay, Leanne calling from Clinton. Hello, Leanne. Yes. You're on the air, Leanne. What's your question? Hi, Doris. Hello. What's your question?
3: Um, I was just wondering, what town was the court held in? It was held in Salt Lake, wasn't
2: it? It was in Salt Lake.
3: It was in Salt Lake City.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And who was the judge over, that was presiding over the court case? Um. Can, can you get out her name because it is? It is uh,
2: it's, it's
1: public information. We realize that. Right.
2: And, you know, although well, it's public information. It would be,
3: her position would be voted on by the public, correct? Yes. It's up to you
1: if you want to name her. Um,
2: you know, I, I don't think right now is the best time to bring that out. Um, like Dora said, it is public information. If you're interested in finding out, then...
3: Well, has she been reported to any corrupt judges' organization? Because it, it's, Or is she affiliated with polygamy? I mean, I, I just don't understand how a judge, a female judge at that, could actually turn three innocent kids... Um, over to an well-known abusive polygamist.
1: That's uh, what you know, ex-husband. That's our whole problem tonight is trying to deal with the fact that that actually happened. I agree with you. A lot of people were shocked when they found out what had happened.
3: Well, I think I think a judge needs. I, I, people need to be aware of who they're voting in as judges and the types of decisions that they're making. Um in cases such as this. Mhm. Yeah, I agree so with you. So I, I think anything that she can do, if it were me in, in, in her shoes, I would do everything I could to make sure her name got out and, and the types of decisions that she was making.
1: Well, I think, um, and, and I agree with it you. It doesn't and sound
3: like she's making very good um, judgment calls.
1: Uh, well, and we don't know. I've heard other attorneys say that she's a darn good judge, and and so we we don't know what was behind this, except for it seemed like she was trying to punish Rachel. But Rachel still wa- Rachel still wants to get those kids back, and 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 you know she doesn't want to put that in jeopardy in any way either. It's her decision. Well, right?
3: I, I you know, and I wish I was a judge because I'd certainly, or not a judge but an attorney, I'd certainly want to. Um, stand up for her. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that you know somebody out there can. Well, we're hoping forward and, and help her out. We're hoping
1: that someone will step forward and say, "I'll help you, Rachel." So no matter what it takes. So if I want to find out who
3: this judge is, and I just look up her name into the Salt Lake City judicial system. If you
1: want to leave your name and number um, and give it to me after the show, then Rachel can determine whether or not she wants to call you back and give you the judge's name. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Okay, we have Josh calling from Monticello. Hello, Josh. Yes, you're on the air.
5: Hey, I was just, I'm curious about whether or how the ex-husband has been treated since three of his wives have left him in the community.
1: How he's been treated?
5: Do the other men, I mean, is he being ridiculed by the other men because of his wives have left him, or is that part of what's motivating him to fight so hard
2: for this? And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are aware of what kind of person he is, even within the group, and the thing that um, stops them from making any harsh decisions against him is because um, his, his family and ha- is part of the, the main family within the group, and his, his dad has actually gone to jail for abuse. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and his family's in the leadership of the group, so, you know, they, you, you can't touch the leadership.
5: But, but three of his wives leaving doesn't hurt his position any?
2: And I'm, I mean, I think the chances of him getting more wives are probably less likely, but I don't think that'll stop him.
1: You know, to, to, you, to understand that, what your question, you would have to understand the the workings, inner workings of polygamy groups. Um, the, the, if somebody walks away or leaves the system, it's their fault. It's not the fault of the system or the people in the group. It's the fault of the person who's leaving.
5: Okay. Yeah. That, I understand that.
1: Yeah, that's the way it works. So, the, maybe um, <laughs> maybe it's the women's fault for leaving rather than his fault for beating them up.
5: Yeah, so, so they, they just have a hmm? totally backward view of reality.
1: <laughs> Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is not something the polygamy groups get to enjoy.
5: All
1: right, well, thank you very much. Thank you for calling. Okay, um, lines are still full, but we don't have any calls coming in. So I want to say something, Rachel... During our last show, you said something that I had written down, and it was is so good, I wanted to repeat it again tonight. And uh, for those who are watching, especially those who are in polygamy groups and maybe are considering you'd like to get out, but you said something about how you were feeling while you were still in the group, and this is what you said. Even though it seems like there is no hope, You need to stand up and be strong for yourself and your kids. There are people that can help, and the resources are there. I remember all the times I felt dead inside and just struggling to get by day to day. Since I have left, I have learned more about myself and what life is all about. I wish I could take all those years I lost back. I'm taking the stand for my kids so they don't have to struggle in the same ways I did. Does that advice still remain? Is, do you still feel that way?
2: Absolutely. the The thing that um, you need to realize in tr- in in leaving that kind of lifestyle, I mean it. I mean it takes a lot for you to realize that you deserve more, and that your your life is worth it, and that your kids' life is worth it enough to get away from the abuse and find something better. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm
1: find something better. Uh, So uh, would you still say that to somebody watching the show tonight who maybe you're thinking, I want to get out, but I don't dare, or I I can't leave my only chance for heaven by leaving, or whatever other reason
2: it might be? Absolutely. I think that uh, there's a lot of resources out there that that are familiar enough with what goes on when you do leave that kind of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are people out there that will help you uh, just to start over again. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely will. And you said that you felt dead inside. You said, I felt dead inside, just struggling to get by day by day. Do you still feel dead inside now that you're out?
2: Not to the same extent that I did before. Um, The thing that makes me still feel that way is that it just makes me sick that my kids are forced to suffer mm-hmm. that lifestyle yeah. and I, I'm just helpless on what I can do mm-hmm. and I have little to no control over it.
1: And, and, and it is painful. Although I've I've seen a huge difference in you myself since you did get out. I don't think you're as dead inside. (laughs) (laughs) You're just hurting now for your kids.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) I I think would be a better way to say it. Okay, we have an off-the-air question. Is there a fund set up where people can donate to help hire a lawyer? Uh, We have uh, our, our organization, a shield and refuge ministry, helps people leave polygamy, and we have a fund set up um, for, we call it the Hagar's Fund, and it helps people who want to get out and they need, uh, and they ask, come to us for help. And um, we, could, we could set up a certain thing like that if people wanted to donate specifically to the legal fund for Rachel, we'd be happy to take that. It's uh, tax deductible. We do have, send out receipts for tax deductions. And so yes, we certainly do do that. Um, we have line one, Candy is calling from Logan. Hello Candy, Yes. you're on the air, you're on the air Candy, turn your television um, volume down.
5: Okay, it's down. My question is, um, I would like to know how Rachel was able to um, get an attorney, without an attorney, she did not have an attorney is my understanding, how was she able to get her case into court? And then also just a quick comment. If any um,
3: attorneys are watching, I just hope and pray that they would help this woman. Okay, you have I just
5: oh. if you could just answer how how Rachel was able to get it into court in the
1: first place.
2: Okay. Thank you. Uh huh. Thanks. And the thing you find in the legal system is there's a lot of people that do go to court for themselves, and that's kind of what I was stuck doing. Um, But also, in the beginning, he filed a restraining order against me. He filed um, a a separate maintenance, which was basically a legal separation.
1: And that took it to court just like that. And so
2: it took it to court that way. And later on in the process, then I um, basically requested to change it to divorce instead of just a legal separation, Mm because I felt like it needed to be uh, a permanent separation. Rather than just something temporary, right,
1: right. So they got into the court system because he took the kids and more or less held them hostage, right, uh, for you against you um, to not so that you wouldn't leave. And of course, it kept you from leaving that, at that particular time. You left eventually, but it was a different time in a different right. way.
2: And it it was just an initial thing, and then later on, I felt like I was ready to to leave mm-hmm. and just completely get away,
1: right. Right. Okay. I hope that answered your question, Candy. And thanks for challenging our legal minds that are watching the show. Um, Line three, we have Mike calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Mike.
5: Hi, Doris. It's Mike.
1: Hello, Mike. Mm -hmm. You're on the air.
5: I wish that she would reconsider naming the judge, and I'll tell you why. There's a general election coming up. Yeah. If the judge's name were out there, people could check, no, do not retain this person. I agree with Leanne from Clinton. I wish... Rachel would reconsider. And, by the way, she's a lot stronger right now than she was when she first left, when she sat in my office. You know who I am.
1: Yeah, I know who you are. And and you're right. I've
5: terrified. She's grown a lot. <laughs> I think she needs to buck up and spill the name of the judge so we can get rid of the judge. Okay. Start from the top down.
1: Okay. She's hearing you. <laughs>
3: Thanks, Doris. Talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Thank you, Mike. Hey. <laughs> Good night. I don't know if you remember I, when we met him. but
2: I, I do. You know the I don't know that I feel comfortable saying it on the air, but if, if you do call in or email or whatever it might be, then, then I have no problem giving you the name of the judge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's Rachel's. It's, it's her story, she gets to say that. Um, when, you, when you first entered into polygamy, um, of course you were raised believing, that's the culture, that's what you did. Did you know it was against the law at the time that you went into it yourself?
2: You know, we never really talk about that as much as we just believe that uh, being God's chosen people that we're above the law and God is more important than what um, man will say or any rules or laws that they might make. So, I mean, they just felt like they were above the law. Hmm. Interesting.
1: It'd be interesting to know what law, you know, because there's no law in the Bible for polygamy. And there, there's no law, of course, Section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants is their Mormon law for living polygamy, but uh, they say it's a God's law, but I'd like to see in the Bible anywhere mm. where God even came close to saying polygamy had anything to do with eternal matters. Wow!
2: Well, um, I, I think it, it just comes down to, like, you just make it up as you go along, and, and it just suits your needs for the moment.
1: Yeah, polygamy suits their needs from the beginning.
0: Absolutely. It's,
1: it's us, okay. Um, when your polygamist experience first started uh, to become so abusive, uh, you were lonely and one-sided as far as the benefits. What did you think? Did you think this married life was a horrible thing?
2: Uh, initially, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I, like I mentioned before, then I felt then um, I had the illusion that my husband would be there for me and support me, not just financially but emotionally and um, it it's interesting as you go along, I mean you have no no clue how it's going to be because you've never been married before, yeah, but um, I found that like when I would go to someone for help like like i I went to my dad before, and um, he just basically told me, he's your husband, he can do whatever he wants he he's their dad, he can do whatever he wants yeah. and I mean, I was just shocked, and it just comes down to um, why say anything at all. They're just going to tell you the same thing. Just do as your husband says. you're not
1: heard. You're not heard at all. Well, thank you, Rachel. Um, I appreciate you coming again tonight. We will have challenged the legal community. We hope that they heard, and we'll see what happens. And as far as the judge goes, we'll see what happens with that too. We always pray that the biblical truths which we present each week on this show will be taken seriously and that our viewers will recognize this culture has been caught in the trap Jesus warned us against, false prophets, false teachers, and unbiblical doctrine. The simplicity of the true gospel of Jesus Christ is a stumbling stone for polygamists who are working so hard to be worthy of eternal life. It's illogical for them that such a great thing as heaven could possibly be a free gift, something that that valuable surely must come at a high price. Well, it does come at a high price. It was bought and paid for already by Jesus Christ on the cross. I was always taught that God's laws was our key to heaven. If we finally succeeded in in being a keeper of all of his commandments, we have made it. But God gave us laws not as a goal for perfection, but as a standard to prove that none of us can keep his commandments so that we would turn to God through Jesus and ask for mercy and grace. The biblical law is like a mirror. We look into to the mirror to see where our faces are dirty but we don't use the mirror to clean us up. God's law reveals our sinfulness but it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses and cleans us up and pays our price of our sin. You know, we cannot use religious laws to climb up into heaven because we fail. And one failure is one failure too many. So reject all the do's and all the don'ts of religious law and turn in full faith to Jesus Christ for your eternal life. That's the only way you'll get there. Keeping commandments can never accomplish what's already been done for us. And that is that Jesus bought and paid the price for our eternal life. Already, already done. We take it as a free gift or we lose it. And if you lose it, then you lose eternal life. And that's forever. Don't let that happen. Good
0: night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This?